0: We're going to reopen to First Corinthians 12 tonight. This will end up being part two of a three-week look at First Corinthians 12. Yet yeah, this will be um, our second and final conversation about the spiritual gifts, which is the topic of the first half of chapter 12 Um Spiritual gifts are not something that we talk about a whole lot around here. They're not talked about in every chapter of the Bible, but the one chapter that they are really the focus of, um, I believe it it calls to mind and calls to action that that we give our attention to them and realize that all of us uh, uh, should respond to the calling over our lives, that we would... Seek after these gifts, receive these gifts, and, and put these gifts to work. So uh, there's no way there's no way to talk about the life of a Christian without discussing the Spirit of God, because you and I, uh, we all have the Spirit of God in our hearts. The same Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave is in the heart of every believer. Which that's a pretty big deal, right? That if the Spirit of God who rose Jesus from the dead, if He lives in us then I think that should be something we pay attention to, right? You and I are literally products of the Spirit's resurrection power. And resurrection means that we apart from him, we're dead. That we're not just sinners, we're dead people, and we are raised to life by the Spirit of God, and we are given a new nature, a new ability, or new abilities to honor God with our lives. That apart from God's Spirit, we cannot serve Jesus, but with the Spirit of God, in the Spirit of God, Jesus said we can please him and honor him and, and reach new heights through him. Now, this means that you and I are supernaturally transformed, given a new nature, new desires, and this also means that our lives are guided in a new direction. So in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, Paul is going to talk to the church about their new, about our new spiritual nature. Now to us, this may seem like an introduction uh, of to, uh, to many of the gifts that God wants to bless his people with, but it sounds like... Corinth was already well aware of these gifts. The problem we realize, the problem we discover is at Corinth, uh, they were mishandling these gifts. They were employing these gifts as if they were tools to show off with. And and Paul brings a word of criticism to them and, and corrects them by telling them that the gifts, these spiritual encounters, are meant to edify the whole body of Christ, and his main thesis in this chapter is that no one person is greater than another because of their gifts. That if, if people think that church is a place to show off, hey, look at what I can do, look at what I know, look what I've done. Church, is, that is not, that is self-righteousness, and we know that has no place in the church. And the same thing goes with the gifts. Uh, that, that no one person is greater than another because they may be gifted in a different way. Uh, but every person who is gifted, which is all of us, we are gifted to serve the body, to make the body better, to make the body stronger, and to bring the Spirit of God in, 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 in a greater way to our midst. So last week, we used the analogy of a single person, uh, a person that's completely independent from, from anybody else, which is very few people, but, but, but again, that, that, that scenario may, may be realistic to some. A single person versus a married person, or an athlete who is training alone versus an athlete on the field, in a big game with the team. Someone working along versus someone working as a larger, in a larger group. We as Christians are not alone in our faith. Uh, This shouldn't be news to us. We get saved well aware of what we are being saved to and who we are being saved for. Uh, Upon salvation, we enter into the body of Christ. That's been Paul's entire message in verse Corinthians so far. We are saved into his body. So it's just like marriage. Nobody is surprised that marriage is a mutual effort. If you were at an altar across from someone else and you held their hands and said, I do, you're well aware that you're not alone in this relationship, that you are indebted to each other, to the other person. And when you have kids, it's, it's the same way. If you're part of a team for a sport or a job, you understand, right, that, that it's not just you on the field. So that's really been Paul's message the whole time that we are not our own, that we are not on our own. We belong to Jesus and we are his body. That's the, that's the, that's the thesis of 1 Corinthians. You've heard me say that for more than 12 weeks now because we've been spending a long time so far, probably 20 or 25 weeks so far. We are his body. So Paul's message in 1 Corinthians is we should glorify him and edify his So that's why Paul is trying to quell the spirit of competitiveness and judgment that is causing trouble in Corinth, leading them to separate from each other in worship and fellowship, uh, and they're looking down on each other. They're judging each other because of someone being farther along or not as far along as them in their faith, uh, which is why he stresses that anyone who possesses the spirit of God and the new nature that he shares with us and the gift he equips us with is doing so because God has so willed and God has enabled we are not at our leisure. You and I are not here for our own pleasure. We are gifted by God for God. Can we say those two those, that, that last part together? By God for God. Why how have we gotten here? Because by God's grace, we have been saved, and by God's grace, we are spirit-filled, and by God's grace, we are gifted. Every one of us, we are gifted by God with abilities and with a new nature that can honor him and serve him. And why have we been given those gifts? Why have we been given this opportunity? For God's glory and for God's people's good. Now, this isn't to try to take away the joy that comes along with being saved, but it's to preserve it and maintain it because we will spoil it and sour it on our own in our flesh. It's like this. If you give someone a brand new car and they don't know how to drive and they don't know how to operate it there's a big li- there's a big chance that they're going to make a mess and and cause a lot of problems they're going to be a liability hurt themselves and hurt others cuz they don't understand what the purpose of the gift was right So a Christian that doesn't understand the the, the goal of their salvation and the purpose of the Spirit of God that they've received and that that has filled their heart, uh, we, we potentially would do a lot of damage to ourselves and to each other. So God's word is essential in directing us in how to harness and utilize these gifts. And you may say, well, Justin, you know, can't people be saved without being a part of a church? And can't people come to the knowledge of faith without being a part of a church? Yes, that's all true. But if they're reading the Bible, the same Bible that that says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, the same God that wrote that and the same Jesus that accomplished that is the same Jesus that built his church. So right, if you read John 3, 16 and you believe that, then you're probably going to read Acts, right? And, and there's no way to separate the, the, the two, right? And there's no way to separate the whole New Testament that is literally written to the local church. The New Testament is not written to individuals. It's not written to families. It's written to churches. It's written to local communities just like ours. And the only way you're really going to get all that God has for you is to be a part of a local community just like ours. So, so again, it, it's just logical that we make these connections in that Paul in 1 Corinthians is trying to get us to understand why we've been gifted and how we can best utilize these gifts. Now, we may not know anything about the gifts that Paul is about to talk about, so this passage does indeed introduce us and lead us in desiring the byproducts of our new nature. So, if you're reading this chapter and you've never heard of these gifts, then naturally it's going to get your attention, and you're going to think, "Well, you know, I want to know more." Well, thankfully, we can spend some time tonight trying to know. As much as we can. So I want to read verses 4 through 7 to set us, to set up the following verses, um, and, and, and these verses kind of serve to, to, to define the purpose of these gifts. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So Paul repeats himself four times there, doesn't he? That there is the same God who is equipping individuals, and even though we're all equipped differently, and we all are different and have different opportunities to serve, ultimately the goal of those gifts and the reason we receive those gifts is that we might benefit each other. Is, is that pretty simple, really don't need a lot of interpretation there, do we? So we find out that these gifts are from God's Spirit for His church and for His kingdom, from God for God, from God's Spirit for His church. And and, and here's why I think this is an important distinction to make, because if we isolate the gifts from their intended platform, we run the risk of missing the point entirely. God gives us these gifts— so that we can serve him and his purposes with them and from them and at out, out, out an overflow from them. So being gifted by God does not excuse us from service or mean that we've evolved past the necessity of the church, but actually it further tethers us to the church. Now you'd be surprised how tempting it is and how easy it is for a lot of people who chase after the spiritual things are genuinely feel with the Spirit of God and they're gifted and they begin growing in their faith But then they have this apparent alleged revelation where they claim they no longer need the church, no longer are tied to the church, and really the church is just holding them back. There are preachers, musicians, teachers, all sorts of formerly devoted Christians who detach themselves from the church and seemingly work separate from it, claiming to be spirit-filled and gifted. Beware of that. Beware of that, because there's a whole lot of people out there who claim that God has gifted them, and I don't doubt it, and claim that they have been in God's Word, and God has, you know, matured them, and I don't doubt it. But over time, they've gotten too big for, or too good for, or too, you know, too spiritual for the local church. And listen, the Spirit of God will never equip you and detach you from the church. He equipped you to make you serve inside of it and as a part of it as an extension of it he did not separate you from the very body that he built it just isn't gonna happen beware of that because there's a whole lot of that going on in the world today my point is God wants to exper- us to experience him and encounter him but he also wants us to you to use us in the church he wants to open doors in a local church for us to edify and strengthen his people so I want to explain a little bit what I mean by that not all of these gifts have a direct correlating role in a church service. So if you go to a church service, you really only usually hear from two or three people, right? And really it's about singing and about preaching. Even if you go to, you know, go to various different kind of churches and you're really going to hear some singing and hear some preaching or maybe some different people talking. But the overall idea of it is, is very few people and you don't really observe a lot of different gifts that are being exercised based on what we're going to read tonight. So not all of these gifts have a direct correlating role in a church service. And there are some who believe that that every church service should have all these gifts being exercised and it kind of becomes a circus because they try to pile them all in and try to manufacture it and try to fabricate it and try to force things to happen that maybe shouldn't happen or weren't going to happen and really didn't happen, but people believe that they do. Not all these gifts have a place in a church service, but all of them have a function in serving the church. Do you see the difference? Not every one of these gifts shows up on 11 o'clock on Sunday in the hour that you gather in a building, but all of them have a function in the service of the church, as in in the church serving each other and people serving the church from, from the, 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 the worship services outward and onward. They may afford you an opportunity to be involved in a service, but they also may simply enable you to be a blessing to the church and to the church community. And some of these, they're entirely behind the scenes. And some of these, they're completely anonymous in terms of we don't even know who may have had the gift, but we see the effects of the gift being exercised, which you may think, well, that did not make any sense. I hope you'll stay tuned because I think that we're going to learn a lot tonight. Either way, you, and that includes you, all of you, You all play a vital role in the growth of the church and the well-being of the church. How you understand these gifts and how you handle them is significant in your participation. So so here's what we're going to do. Paul doesn't explain these gifts. He just mentions them and moves on. He quickly moves on and starts talking about how the body should react to everybody's different gifts being exercised. He's much more concerned about the body being unified than he is about detailing the different way these gifts are shown off. Because we're going to find out. His specific agenda is to get us to chapter 13, which is about a very specific gift that all of us are called to master and to make use of. we'll get to that in a couple of weeks. And he's been building up to that for about four or five chapters now. So he's really breezing through these gifts to get us to talk about unity and a universal gift that every Christian is required to possess and master. And I think you know which one I'm talking about. But I suppose it would be appropriate for us to talk about the gifts and then get into the rest of the chapter in the next week to come. So here's something that you should know, though. Now, you may have grown up in a church like me where you never heard the spiritual gifts talked about at all. Maybe you were like me. I grew up in a Baptist church. I love, you know, I, I, that's my theological platform. I'm not saying anything bad about it. I grew up in an independent Baptist church. We never talked about spiritual gifts. Never. I only ever knew about them because I would read this chapter and think, what's that mean? And then people would say, well, we don't believe that here. Or they would be scared of them because they would think that means that we're a part of some other denomination all of a sudden. And I want to kind of destigmatize the conversation around spiritual gifts because here's what I also know. I grew up in a church that never talked about them, but there were plenty of people who believed in them and plenty of people who exercised them. They just didn't put a label on it. So I grew up Never talking about it, but I saw plenty of this stuff going on in my life and in my church. And I knew plenty of people who had these gifts. They just didn't articulate it, and that's okay. You don't have to know what, you don't have to, you know, say, hey, look at what I'm doing. This really the whole point of the chapter is that we don't bring attention to ourselves. But I do think it's important that we talk about these things, because here's why. Every single one of you can have one of these or more of these gifts. Every one of you has a gift that you can take hold of. You say, well, Justin, I don't really know about that. I don't know if I believe that. Well, don't take my word for it. Peter says, as each has received a gift. It's a spiritual gift. He's not talking about talents in the world, nothing wrong with those. God gives those too. He's talking about spiritual gifts. As each has received a gift, so everybody gets one. You may get more than one. But everybody has a gift. And Peter's command is that we use it to serve one another, just like Paul's been teaching us. As good stewards of God's varied grace, as in it's different for some, we all receive different gifts. Whether you speak or whether you serve, you're gonna do so as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So, what is the message here? That every one of us has a gift. And it's by the strength that God supplies that we receive and employ these gifts. So, let me make this very clear. We don't sign up for these gifts. We don't go to a class and learn how to get these gifts. You pursue To be gifted by the God who saved you and you desire that he would equip you with the gifts he desires for you. And he is the one who gives them and he's the one who exercises them through you. So you and I, if if, if it's starting to make a little sense to you, we're just vessels, right? That any of us that serve God, we're just vessels through which he is doing the work. It's not about us, right? We're just being used by God. So, hey, if that's how it works, then how can any of us say, well, God can't use me. Of course he can. Peter goes on. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. And let me just say this. If you're someone who thinks, well, God would never give me a gift, I'm just, you know, that, that means that you are even a greater candidate for God to use because God loves somebody that doesn't think they're anything special because that's the person that God can really get the glory out of. Somebody that walks in with their chest stuck out saying, hey, look at me, I can can, can do this, I've done that, I know this, God really doesn't have much to say about them. But God loves somebody that's willing to be humble and say, hey, I don't know if I've got much to offer, but God, if you wanna use me, I'm here. Take me and use me. Okay, so let's read, let's go ahead and read verses eight through 11, and then we're gonna talk about, one by one, this isn't some deep, discourse on these gifts but this is a general overview and I'll see how how we'll see how far we get for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit of God to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another the gift of healing by the same spirit to another the working of miracles to another prophecy to another discernment or discerning of spirits to another different kind of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So for the next 15 minutes or so, we're just gonna briefly cover all these gifts. We'll do a deep dive into all of them where we'd spend a whole night on each one one day. If you really are interested, I don't mind to do that, but we're just gonna try to cover these as briefly, but as, as specifically as we can. So the first two, the gift of wisdom and the gift of Knowledge, which may seem like they're pretty much the same, but really these are two different ends of the spectrum in terms of how God wants to use us. So first up, wisdom. The gift of wisdom is the gift of interpretation and application of God's revelation. So emphasis on God has already revealed his word. There is nothing new to be said from God. God's already revealed it. You have the completed word of God in your hand leather bound or you know fake leather whatever you have the word of god it's completed the gift of wisdom is interpreting and applying what god has already said now this is the most often associated with but not limited to preaching and teaching but plenty of people besides pastors can have this gift Anybody that wants to be a student of God's word and be a vessel that he teaches his word through can receive this gift. It could be that you realize that you have this gift. It's the first step in your pursuing being a teacher, being a preacher, serving the church in some capacity. We need more people who have this gift and use this gift. Whether it's to a certain age group or generally to all of God's people. Now, I think this one is listed first because it's the one that we all should pursue so that we might understand God's Word more clearly. It's okay if you don't have this gift. Not everyone's going to. And that's why there are churches and Bible studies that you can learn from others who do have this gift and why it's important that you get involved and learn from those who have this gift. The one who re- this one really sets a tone for others to come. That this gift in and of itself isn't that impressive because the basis is God's word. The basis is what's already been revealed. Now, by all means, we should be grateful for those who God gives this wisdom to and we should listen as they lead us. But it also means those that have this gift have a sacred weight on their shoulders because they're responsible in bringing God's word to his people and feeding God's people with his word. Now, I'll be very transparent with you. I don't think it's a secret. It's not arrogant to say if you have one of these gifts, this is a gift that God has given to me, um, as many of you, I'm sure, are aware of, but also others who are called to preach and teach his word have this gift. When I was younger and I, I loved studying God's word, I realized that God was connecting dots to, to, in front of me that others didn't seem to, to get. And it humbled me and it amazed me how God was bringing out his word and bringing out the interpretation and showing the different applications that he intended. Now, there are times when I'm reading the Bible and some things begin to connect and I'm completely floored because it's the Spirit of God who is making those connections and showing me. And God forbid I ever present his word as if it's something that I've come up with. No, no, no. This is the wisdom that God brings out of his word by interpreting and applying his revelation. Now, I tell you this to let you know that that what i do what any teacher or preacher does is not something in and of themselves it is a gift of god anybody with a microphone in a pulpit that claims to bring you something that that is only from them they're lying to you and they're sac they're, they're they're you know borderline sacrilegious because they're just being a vessel that god is using to breathe into his people's hearts now, you may say, well, Justin, if this is a gift that God gives, why, would, why should you study? Or, or why do people go to school to learn more? Um, what's the importance of that? Well, the, I study because this gift isn't to enable laziness. God doesn't give this gift so you don't have to prepare for anything. God gives this gift to encourage diligence and deeper pursuit. And I believe college and Bible college are important because those that God gifts, it's important that they encourage each other. Iron sharpens iron. You can read in the Old Testament, even the prophets had schools where other prophets would gather and learn from the older, wiser ones. Just because God gives you this gift doesn't mean there's not work to do. It, it, It makes it all the more imperative that you do the work and get in the word and study what God has already revealed. This wisdom does not come out of nowhere, it comes from God and his spirit. Now that brings us to the second gift, the gift of knowledge. Now you may wonder what's different about wisdom and knowledge. There is something very important to make a distinction of. The Greek word for knowledge is a Greek word gnosis and that Greek word is, literally means special revelation. Now listen to me carefully and make sure you hear me say what I am saying and not what I'm not saying. I wanna be very particular with my words. This pertains to God using his word to inspire a message specifically from one person to another. This is even more sacred than maybe from preaching because it's, 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 hey, I'm talking to you one-on-one because I believe God showed me something that you need to hear and hey, for whatever reason, God showed it to me and I want to talk to you about it. But I've earned that relationship with you to have this platform in your life. God gives the gift of knowledge so that the messenger might be uniquely and personally direct to his people whether the situ- pertaining to the situation that they're in. Now here's the thing about the, the special revelation that God gives person to person. The application may differ, but the interpretation of his word is unchanging. Someone may come to you and say, listen, I believe that God is saying this to you, but it's never going to be contrary to what his word says as a foundation. It may apply it uniquely. The application may be unique, but the interpretation is not going to be radically different from what God has said and what God means for everybody. Now, I'll give you a few examples. When I was a kid, God used another preacher, a lay preacher at my home church to cast a vision over me that I was gonna be in ministry one day. I I didn't know him, he didn't really know me that well, but God used him and God gave him a special revelation to speak to me and say, hey, God's gonna give you this gift. Now, I I didn't really, I was a kid, I didn't know know why he was saying this to me, but for whatever reason, God planted that seed in my heart when I was just a kid because God gave that wisdom, gave that knowledge to somebody so that I might would benefit from it. Now listen, that was a special word given to him that didn't conflict with what the Bible teaches but carried forward a calling from the word to me. So we go from wisdom, which is very broad, to knowledge, which is very specific. And you may say, does God really work that way? Does God really, why couldn't God just tell me? That makes us, we're we're a little bit selfish like that, aren't we? If God told him to tell me, why couldn't he just tell me directly? There's a very specific reason why God doesn't do that. But I'll get there in a minute. Let me ask you something. Will you get deep enough in God's word and close enough to your brother or sister in Christ that you would be available for God to use you to help somebody? Listen, as a kid, there was no way that eight-year-old me or nine-year-old me was ever going to come to the point of realization that, that, hey, God might want to do this to me, right? God used somebody else to speak to my life, Will you get deep enough and will you get close enough to God that God could use you to speak life into somebody else's heart? Listen, this is not about sermons. This is about conversations. And this is why we need to be in community. And and I've learned this. I've learned this so much. God loves revealing something to the person right next to us. He loves doing that. He loves doing that so that you'll realize you need to be as close as you can to your brother and sister in Christ. You are not on your own and you are not alone and you need each other. We need each other. If there's something in you that gets a little bit puffed up and says, I don't know how I feel about that, listen, I need you just like you need me and we are gonna help each other along this road. And I'm thankful that God has this gift where, you know what, he makes me realize how much I'm dependent on each and every one of you. This is not about pulpits, this is about conversations. If a preacher, now let me just say this, if a preacher calls you out in a sermon and says God told them to tell you something, listen, find another preacher. God doesn't do that. God does not humiliate people. He helps people. He doesn't humiliate people. I've never done that. I never will do that. Don't worry. But if somebody ever does that to you, they're not helping you. They're just trying to humiliate you. Let's move on. Now we're going to get into some some more challenging ones as we wrap up. And again, you might think I'm going too fast. I'm not trying to get you deeply aware of all these things. I'm just trying to get you a little bit introduced to them. The gift of faith is up next. Now the gift of faith is not about general faith in Jesus. Everybody has faith. The gift of faith is a special endowment of faith for leading others to inspire faithfulness in certain areas. This is what we talk about big faith versus little faith. Listen, faith is faith. If you either have it or you either believe or you don't. But there is a gift of faith that God puts in his people's heart that, are, that is meant to raise up leaders and raise up bold servants who will lead other people who may not have the faith they have. The gift of faith allows you to lead others in their unbelief and inspire others to believe past their unbelief. This is why it's so important that you're involved in a church because you may have a bold faith that can help other people who are struggling. The church needs folks who have this gift to speak out and speak up and encourage each other. There is way too much pessimism and dread in the church that holds back the spirit. We need people who are bold and willing to combat against the spirit of unbelief. And the way you realize you have this gift is when other people are discouraged or down, God is stirring you up and God is wanting you to be bold and God is wanting you to be courageous and when God when you feel that spirit of you spirit inside of you moving you to step out and step up, you better do it because people are waiting on you to help them have the faith that maybe they can't have on their own. Remember the story of Joshua and Caleb? When everybody else said the giants are too big, Caleb spoke up and said, let us go up at once for we are able to overcome it. He had a gift of faith that he exercised. When a specific situation, listen, this is why it's so important that Christians speak up. Whenever we as a nation are discouraged, when we as a church are discouraged, when you as a family member might be discouraged, somebody who has the faith needs to speak up and let it known that we are able to push through this. We are able to overcome. And listen, maybe you're the person that sits back when everybody else is being doom and gloom. Maybe you're the person that thinks, you know what, I think we should be a little bit more bold, we should be more confident but maybe you've never spoke out and maybe this is God showing you that, hey, you have this gift of faith and maybe it's specifically about a certain situation you're in, a certain season we as a country or we as a church are in. That's when God makes this gift known and you may be the one that has it. Next up is the gift of healing. Now, it's important that we ground this conversation. Remember, this is the work that God is doing. Let me tell you what this gift isn't. This isn't someone who claims they have the Spirit of God at their command and that whoever they slap, whoever they declare, or whoever they lay hands on is going to be healed no matter what. This is not what the gift of healing is. This is not about conjuring up God or rubbing a lamp and a genie coming out and doing whatever you ask him to do. That is not Christianity. That is witchcraft. That is demonic. That is demonic. The gift of healing refers to God using an individual to pray over a person or a group of people and whereby the Spirit of God begins to bring healing through that believer's prayer. This gift may be exercised publicly, it may be exercised privately. There are people who pray for others and privately as they pursue God, God answers their prayer and the healing comes. This is not about showing that somebody has some great power to move God. This is about somebody who has a heart for God, who is willing to get on their knees and pray and God listens to that prayer. The person praying may have the confidence that God will answer them. But the point is, you don't have to be in the same room as them. This is why the whole church needs to pray for each other and pray together and why those with courageous faith and bold vision should be recognized. Those that can pray and call heaven down should be recognized because that is the person that God is working through. We aren't commanding him or demanding him. We are asking and he is responding. But it's God that does the work. Now, the other side of that same coin is the working of miracles. This isn't about someone holding up a staff and water's parting or fire coming down from heaven, even though God is the one that does the work there too. This is about an individual who allows God to use them to do the impossible, who allows God to work out an unlikely situation through their life. In both cases, this can refer to those who experience the miracle and the healing. And let me, let me just make this very practical for you all. Every one of you have witnessed miracles. Every one of you have witnessed, have been healed in some capacity. I'm walking because I was healed, right? You, You may be healed from a disease or from something that people told you you would never get through. You may have a miracle story in your life, and there may not have been somebody there with their hands laid on you or standing outside the house calling thunder down, but you just know this. People prayed and God moved. That's what this is all about. This is not about spotlighting individuals who are supermen or superwoman. This is about the church being the people of God, gathering in community, and believing God can heal and God can work miracles. Listen, I've prayed over people, and I know, I've heard God tell me that I'm gonna heal this person. I've also prayed over people, and God said, hey, this isn't gonna work. This isn't gonna happen. But I don't stand in front of the person and say, listen, look at what I've done. It's not what I'm doing. It's the spirit of God that's doing the work. I've seen God do miracles in my life and through my life and in other people's lives. But again, it's not about wa- waving a flag and saying, "Hey, look at this person! Uh, they've got a gift of miracle working." No, it's about being a part of the of the of the community where the people of God know that God is in this midst. But you and your prayers and your participation—it matters. Listen, we're not here to make people famous when somebody, you know, you, if certain TV channels or certain preachers are known as the healing preacher or the miracle-working preacher. Listen, God's not anywhere near that because God is not wanting to make somebody, somebody special in this world. Jesus is who we're here to make famous. Not me, not you, not some guy who knocks people across the room. God's not near that. Now, he may work through a prayer of somebody that's really believing for the, to be healed, but it's not about an individual doing the work. It's about the people of God relying on the power of God. In both of these cases, God is the one doing the work. Now, listen, the point isn't that we be recognized for what we do. It's recognizing the power behind the gifts and worshiping the one who performs them. Now let's wrap up. Prophecy, prophecy, the gift of prophecy. goes back to what we talked about with knowledge, but this is more broad. This is really the backbone of my style of preaching. Prophets in the Bible are not about predicting the future, but it's about presenting God's word and calling his people to action. Not every preacher has the gift of prophecy. That's okay, but those who do are required to utilize it. God uses people to call on his people to move in action. Have I had this experience before? Yes, when it comes to preaching and applying the text. But again, it only comes through when we are rooted in the scripture and desiring for God to be used, for God to use us to be a messenger for his people. This isn't just about being behind a pulpit, but it's about being in relationships where people have a voice of power over us and a voice of God's word into our lives. A prophetic voice is something we all should pray for so that we might be able to inspire God's people, call God's people to move for him and his cause. I pray this over, Andrea, I pray this over every one of you. God, give them a prophetic voice that when they speak, people listen because they are speaking on behalf of God. He talks about discernment. It's so important that we know what this means. Discernment is about the swiftly detecting what is of God and what is not. Now, I don't think I need to go into great detail about this. There's a, lot of, there, there, there's a great void of discernment in the church in our modern age. A lot of people are confused about what is or what isn't of God. And that's why a lot of churches go in directions that are not biblical. We need leaders and we need leaders Christians who have discernment. They know where God is, they know where he is, not and they aren't afraid to say it and draw the line. This is important when it comes to vetting those who serve the church, seeing and speaking the church, protecting the church in major ways. But it's also important to detect what may be on the heart of someone, understanding how to pray for them. Listen, I've been in the room with people that I knew were demon-possessed, and I, don't, I didn't read their heart, read their mind. God just said, hey, this person, this person isn't just sick, or this person isn't just upset they've, they've they're, they're worse than that having that discernment's important and god gives you that discernment it's not in and of ourselves and we need to pray for god to give us discerning hearts when we make big decisions now we've got two more left but we're out of time <laughs> all right i promise you we are going to get into the, into the subject of tongues but there's a whole chapter the reason why we're leaving it off chapter 14 is all about the gift of tongues and whether it has or whether it doesn't have a place in today's church. But let me say this, there's two different sides of the coin when it comes to tongues. There's the gift in the hearer's ears, as in God and God changes the language so for someone to hear that they couldn't normally hear like with an But there's also the gift of tongues in a believer's prayer. Now I'll go into that in more detail in chapter 14. But Paul's gonna say this is not something that needs to be exercised publicly in the church, but it's something that does have a place. Now, you may have been brought up in a church where you were told this isn't real or this doesn't happen anymore, and I'm respectful of different people's beliefs, but I wanna give you what the Bible says. And the Bible does say that the gift of tongues is real, but it's something that is meant to be a private form of devotion to God that makes you more publicly faithful to God. But we're gonna get into that in a couple of weeks. So just bear with me. Chapter 14 is all about the gift of tongues. We'll talk about what it is, what it isn't in a couple of weeks. To close us up though, verse 12 and 13. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews, Greeks, slaves, or free, have all been made to drink into or out of one spirit. You know what this tells me? That we all have access to the same source. The spirit that fills me is the same spirit that fills you. So these gifts are not meant to drive us apart, but they're ultimately meant to make us all more filled with the spirit and closer together, closer together. He can gift us with one of these gifts, all of these gifts, but ultimately it's about being sensitive to his will and desiring his will. These gifts are not things we, should, we desire for our own exaltation, but so that we might participate in his work and edify his body. We've learned most of all tonight that these gifts really are behind the scenes in the church, that everybody can have them. It's not just the guy on the stage with the microphone, right? Right? He may be the least, the least gifted person in the room, but it's about how these gifts are being employed by the members, by the people of God, who take it serious. How I pursue God impacts the whole body. My prayers matter. My obedience matters. My faithfulness matters because I might help somebody or help everybody in the walk they are within with God. So we desire them with the spirit, with with the same spirit. He will fill us accordingly. And I believe that if we pursue this spirit of God and the gifts he gives, we will all see him work in our lives in incredible ways. But we have to pursue him from the right place and for the right purpose. That is for the upbuilding and for the edification of his body. Church, I know this is a conversation that we don't often have in our church and that's something that we should talk more about but I believe it's important that we do it here on a Wednesday night because you are the people that I believe that God wants to feel and God wants to give more than anyone because as you faithfully pursue him and maybe you realize that God's been trying to show you that this gift is in you the whole time. God's been trying to show you, hey, you, you can lead. You can uh, intentionally and faithfully pray. You can teach and, and, and speak God's word. You have a vision for God to use you or to use people in the You may realize that God's been at work in your heart the whole time, but you just haven't connected those dots. And I hope that we can allow the spirit of God to begin to show us and open our eyes how we fit into his His kingdom and how we can participate in his body. Church, thank y'all for being here tonight. We'll get into more of this. I promise. I look forward to it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Thank you for introducing us and and teaching us about these gifts. Lord, the gifts of your spirit. Lord, every one of us tonight are gifted, can be gifted. Lord, you just want us to pursue you that these gifts might be uh, uh, honed and and that these gifts might be matured and that we might be able to to utilize them, uh, Lord, in ways that honor you, in ways that glorify you, in ways that help the people. Lord, may we most of all realize that our prayers matter. Our faithfulness matters. Our obedience matters. How we apply the word, it matters. Lord, may may we all realize that you might be wanting to use us to help our neighbor in ways that we just didn't realize originally. That we're not on our own. We're not by ourselves. We are a part of a community. Lord, thank you for that gift. Thank you for making me a part of the church and showing me that it's so important that we sharpen each other, that we lean on each other and that we carry each other's burdens, that you might would raise up people who are willing to serve you and willing to pursue you with all of their heart. Lord, would you gift each and every one of these people tonight? Gift them, empower them, and enable them to serve you and serve each other. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.